Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, the Executive Director of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. And we have my co-host, Natalie Jablonski, the Nonprofit Ninja. That's right, specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. And today we have a special guest with us, don't we, Marjorie? We do. So excited. So for 20 years, Foppy Visual Communication has specialized in the unique design discipline that is environmental branding. They're dedicated to telling the story of their clients and their respective brands by crafting visually stunning branded environments that resonate with people and who the people who interact with them. And they accomplish this through knowledgeable consultation, visual design, and implementation. So today we're going to be talking about donor recognition with Joanne Foppy. It's not just a job, it's a passion, right, Joanne? Absolutely. When the work that you do connects with people on a higher level, um, it's always much more enjoyable. Excellent. And, you know, when we talk about donor recognition, we're going to talk about it throughout the entire donor cycle. We're going to talk a little bit about why we offer donor recognition, uh, what it's like to think like a donor and what that donor is expecting. And then we're hoping we can uh, pick Joanne's brain for some great creative ideas and twists to donor recognition. So we're super excited you're here. Thanks for being here. Not a problem. So first and foremost, let's talk about the donor cycle because here's, here's what I think. I think the nonprofit professionals who are listening to our show, when we say the words donor recognition, think stewardship. They think thanking the donor and that's when we should be thinking about donor recognition. So I disagree with that. And here's why. I think that at every stage of the donor cycle, we need to be looking at donor recognition. We need to be looking at during prospecting and researching, we need to look at the history of how they've been recognized and some of those preferences. And I think that when we were talking about cultivating, we need to understand those preferences and those sensitivities. And that can all be done at the very beginning. And so I feel like it should always be on the mind of the organization. What are your thoughts on that? Seeking the donation. Yeah, you know, we come in a lot of times more when the campaign has already kicked off or when they're, they've got some of their funds raised, um, to try to come up with ideas to properly recognize them, whether it's a donor wall or a gift or, or whatever. But, um, as far as researching into what they've gotten before, I'm not really sure how we would be involved with that part of it. That's more of the relationship of the nonprofit rather than for us. I would agree. And don't yeah. you think, Marjorie, we also see that's where sometimes the ball can be dropped because they don't ask Absolutely. the right questions? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, I, I've had some horror stories myself with, you know, not <laughs> paying attention to the donor's desires in the first place and getting to the point where we're ready to put their name on the wall or in the newsletter or something like that and realizing that this particular donor want, doesn't want to be Mr. and Mrs. John Smith, they want to be listed as Jane and John Smith or things like that, making sure that those things happen up front, make sure that when we get to the part where we're able to do that formal recognition, the stewardship at the end, you know, we can do that really well. And I think that goes back to that level at solicitation when you're having the conversation with someone about their gift. It shouldn't be the lead-in of, uh, in exchange for your gift, we'd like to do this, but it should be a conversation that's done at that time to say, so the generosity is so appreciated by us. We want to make sure that we recognize and, and, sh- and celebrate this gift. Do you have preferences on how you'd like to be listed? Because what if they want to be listed anonymously and you don't ask those questions? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's why when I'm talking about being at every single level, engaging a professional such as FOPI communication is huge, but also making sure that you have asking the right questions of that donor or that potential donor throughout the cycle, I think is really important. 
Well, and where we would get involved with something like that is providing some sort of a design up front so that the donor can see it and be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Or I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that (laughs) and to generate some enthusiasm. And if they see that, um, you know, their name is going to be standing out more if they give it a higher level or if they're going to be incorporated with a bunch of other people, you know, it depends on what their level of giving and what their ability is. But, um, it, it can help actually help, um, generate um, donations if they think that it's a really cool end product that you're going to be putting out there. Absolutely. I like that idea because it can definitely inspire someone to take the next step of giving, you know, if you spend, like you mentioned, in a group of, of people. But it also really helps them to visualize what that looks like and making sure that their preferences are accordingly. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the reasons why we offer donor recognition. So I know, Marjorie, you sent me an article from philanthropy.com. Is that right? Yeah, philanthropy.com um, about, uh, oh, man. It was about smaller uh, smaller, cha- yeah. smaller charities needing creativity when it comes to recognizing donors. Absolutely. And that's that's really important because, like, the small charities, I mean, we might not have the, the, the do- big dollars to do something really big. So a lot of times it's about doing these kind of smaller things to – make people feel engaged and feel wanted, making them feel like they're not stuck at that lower giving amount and helping a nonprofit grow. So even things like, you know, and it, it may sound cheesy, but making sure you, you do the name right in the newsletter um, and the annual report and, and making sure you get it right. Um, doing things like handwritten thank you notes are so key. I love um, handwritten you know. thank you notes. It's a passion. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, people really, really love them. They really respond to them. And you, you often hear donors say, I, you know, this is one of like three handwritten thank you notes I've ever received. I personally am not good enough about doing those more often, often enough, but even putting the personalized PS thank you at the bottom of your, you know, computer generated thank you makes a big difference. It makes them see that they, that you've read it, you've acknowledged it and you know who it's going to and that it meant something. And I think that's really the purpose of donor recognition is making sure that they understand that their gift meant something way beyond just the gift. And some of those things that it can it can do is really encourage future giving for themselves if it's done correctly. Mm-hmm. If we listen to what the donor wants, and I'm sure Joanne, you've been in those situations where you've seen that happen. You've you've answered the call and you've given the donor exactly what they're looking for, and then you find yourself with the same client a few years or a few months down the road, and that you're doing something else, something new and different, exciting to encourage that gift. Yeah, well, um, Greenville Regional Hospital was actually a really good example mm-hmm. of. Um, them doing a donor wall that contained different levels of giving. They had a capital campaign mm-hmm. because they had a new hospital or added on to their hospital. I'm sorry. They had a capital campaign for that. Then they had a lifetime giving with changeable panels that people were always moving up, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, when they, which is had, great to encourage right, that. Which is great <laughs> yes. to encourage yes. that. Yeah. Um, and then they had an area that they recognized a specific doctor for his donation of bringing a specific type of care to that rural um, area. And then they had the landowner who had given the land for the hospital. So it was incorporating several different levels of donor, of donors and opportunities for giving and to become, you know, you could go to this part of the wall to this part of the wall or um, move up in, you know, the lifetime giving if you're a $5,000 donor and then your name moves up to 10,000 or so that's on. That's a huge incentive too, to be able to see what your gift has made over the years, because I think that's something a lot of times we forget to keep track or not even keep track of, or forget to mention to our donors, you know, all those, you know, $25 every month that you've given to us for 10 years, that's added up to, I can't do that kind of math on the fly, but it's a <laughs> lot of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Especially in smaller communities. Oh, it yeah. makes a big difference where these people are actually going into 
that building mm-hmm. and it's yeah. making a difference to them. They're utilizing that space. I've actually spent a little bit of time in Greenville Regional Hospital lately and have, I, I look at that wall when I go by and I see names of people that I know from the community. So mm-hmm. it's really cool to be able to see that, especially in a small town. And that brings up the other point that was made in that article that you had shared with us. And we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. Yeah. was all about, I think uh, they quoted it. So when people see that friends think it's important enough to support, they may consider supporting that charity as well. And that's the beauty of what you're, what you're you know, suggesting today. You stop and, and read that and you mm-hmm. said, wow, I know those people. And it makes you kind of think at the charity a little differently, that organization a little differently mm-hmm. and um, perhaps philanthropically, which is the beauty of how fundraising works and, and how that cycle of giving works. You know, and then it also really, I think, encourages continued involvement, whether it's volunteering or ambassadorship, because you see that name, you see that recognition, you you understand the outreach and things that are happening. It makes you feel like a part of the organization. I think that's something very unique to donor recognition. It's no longer them and I'm giving to them. It's giving to us. And it turns from them to we, and yeah. you start associating yourself with that organization because you're a part of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a really great piece of donor stewardship. Absolutely. I really like that. One of the other things is is thinking like a donor, which is we have this really good article, too, from AFP, um, the American um, Fundraising Professionals, Association of Fundraising Professionals. I should know that. Um, (laughs) And, you know, one of the things that it was talking about was, you know, all those donors that tell us all the time, I don't need any recognition. Um, or are concerned we're spending too much money on them or things like that, but they, they really do want some kind of recognition. I mean, I think everybody on some level wants, wants to at least get that thank you. So really thinking like them, making sure that, uh, they, they feel cared for in that. Um, but I think one of the things that it talks about is making, um, making your thank you or making the way that you're thanking them a motivation to give more and not a ceiling to end giving. And Joanne, that's something that you guys have specialized in quite a bit too. Well, yeah, the ultimate goal is to have them um, have something elegant and um, that reflects your gratitude and appreciation. But it also has a fine line that it can't be over the top. Like you mentioned that there's, you're spending too much money on the donation, on the gift or on the donor wall. If you're sinking all the money in it into that, then you're not, being a good steward of this money that we're donating, you know, it's a very fine line. Um, but you also can't put up something cheap that's going to disappear when the next person that comes around, um, it does generate enthusiasm if you can show them a design and show them what the possibilities are. And then they do become more engaged. Um, but that's all part of the budgeting and design process. You know, what's your ultimate goal and, um, who are these people that you're asking money of? Yeah. And I always caution nonprofits when they're setting up or they're redesigning their levels of giving to make sure that they are not creating that ceiling too, too low. You know, they'll say, well, the, the highest level we want to give is our distinguished donor and that's going to be $25,000 or more. And I'll challenge back, well, why did you pick $25,000? Well, we only, we have two people that are in that category. And I said, well, great. You already have two people in that category. So what happens when they give more? What's their incentive to give a hundred thousand? What's their incentive to give 250,000? And should you really, you know, make that a ceiling for them? Because now they're like, well, there's no incentive to give anymore. Donor recognition wise, obviously the charity and the mission still needs their work, but they always feel like that's a concern when you're setting up some of those recognition levels, those special awards, those plaques, those, uh, you know, those gifts that if you give something too large uh, and you know that they have the option, uh, that they're going to be with you a while, they're going to continue to be able to be support, supportive of the organization, you don't want to limit their giving because they feel like they've hit the end, uh, kind of like playing sorry. And they've all their, you know, all their little guys are at home and now there's no more to play the game. You want that game to continue to the next round. The other piece, I think that article was all about making it special. 
and personal. And I think that goes back to, and Joanne, you said it best, you know, making sure that you know that relationship with the donor, uh, so that we can relay that to your professional organization, such as, you know, your, your particular business and knowing what they like, what they don't like, understanding a little bit more about, uh, what would make them happy. And sometimes things are really off the wall, non-traditional. You wouldn't think about it, but you know, it's important to them. And I think that's really where you see that spark of recognition becomes very personable and uh, just really helps to give helps to give that extra push and incentive for them to continue with your organization because you've listened. Yeah, absolutely. So have you had some some ideas of like donor ideas that we can go, you know, maybe creative just uh, creative twist on a donor wall or uh, maybe even donor gifts that aren't just like the usual trinkets or. Yeah, well, like the thing to keep in mind from our perspective is that, you know, we're extremely creative. And so any, any donor wall or donor gift can be made from a myriad of materials. And especially we get involved a lot with new buildings. Mm -hmm. And so we especially like to work with the architects and interior designers and take a look at what the building is being made up of. There might be some particular architectural element that needs to be incorporated into the donor wall. So it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. I mean, you want it to be noticed, but it also should be a piece of art and something that is classy and elegant and goes with the decor of the building. That's a great point because I think what happens so many times with nonprofits is that the people who are building the building in the operations side maybe don't always communicate with the people who are over raising the money that made that possible. And then you say, but we need a donor wall. And they're like, okay, we'll just, we'll put something up. Well, you can have it later and we'll, we'll figure that out later. Right now we need to get the nuts and bolts put together. But what you're suggesting is beautiful because it's a marriage between the two that makes it look like it's supposed to, which is the organization works together at all, at all facets. Well, we had a, that's probably our most creative example was St. Joseph's Hospital in Highland. That was a huge community effort to get that hospital even built. I mean, they had funding obviously, but. It was community donations that made the difference that they were able to do it. And um, in working with the architects, they didn't they knew they wanted a donor wall, but they didn't have a space planned for it. And so you walked into the lobby and well, I shouldn't say walked into the lobby because fortunately they got us involved when there was still a plan on a piece of paper. Right. But the plan was to have this beautiful open environment with glass walls on the cafeteria, a water wall. Um, then there's a wooden wall behind the um, reception desk and then glass walls at the gift shop and the front was all glass. So there was no place to put this. Oh, and they so didn't, visually open, but yeah. no spot to put a wall. Right. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So they didn't want it in the back hallway somewhere where not everybody could see it. And the idea was that um, most, the majority of the waiting, since it was, the clinic was also part of the hospital, the majority of waiting for tests or somebody in surgery or waiting for a pa- to be able to visit a patient was done in the main lobby. And so they really, they felt strongly about having it there. So what we did is we took um, aircraft cables and suspended clear panels in front of the clear wall so that people's names could be sandwiched in between the clear panels. So it was there. It was definitely noticeable and people walk up to it, but it wasn't in your face and, you know, um, it, it generated enough interest. And then we incorporated um, historical perspective into it, too. So it told the story of the sisters that started the hospital. It told the story of, um, you know, the different buildings that they had been in. And then they even incorporated an LED monitor to be able to add people for different smaller things, like oh, if they did a 5K run or if they did a um, uh They'd have like a women's health day. People that donate to those things yeah. get time on the LED monitor 
not permanently, mm-hmm. but for that specific event that's coming up. So it was very well, you know, it's very well received. We get compliments on it still. It's three years old and we get something, somebody comments on it probably monthly. Um, but it was a challenge because they hadn't thought it through when it was still in the architectural planning phases. Yeah. And even, I guess, kind of to extend on the, the thinking through pieces, you know, how do you how do you think through enough to next year, the year after, the year after that, so that you can make sure that you're continually recognizing donors and making mm-hmm. sure that you do that well? I know we have a plaque here that's just actually volunteer recognition, but getting the same plaques every year, the, mm-hmm. the same colored plaque to, to go on the the little board is really hard. Mm-hmm. And so how does a how does a nonprofit really think through that, make sure that they're picking a place or that's going to stick with them for the long run and remember that we use the, the plaques that are kind of silvery but a little brass, mm-hmm. you know, and, and go through that. It's um you know we've we've even taken those brass plaques we did it here when they built when they took down the restaurant and made the new um, visitor center. Yeah the shrine we, they, it was important to keep those brass plaques because mm-hmm. those people had started the shrine. Yeah. And so we made sure that those brass plaques, every name that was on them was melted down and put into that, um, um, Eugene de Mazenod display that's out in front of the, um, guild center. Oh, cool. So all of those names are still there. It's just updated a little yeah. bit. Um, as to speak to your question directly though, the little tiny, you know, the, to do something every year that adds a person to it, it is tough. Yeah. It is <laughs> to make it look similar. You know, yeah. you just have to choose somebody that, you know, or in particular a material type that hopefully won't look different all the time. Yeah. yeah. And that's a challenge on those kind of things and updating donors year after year and making sure that, you know, things look fresh, look good. Is there maybe a time limit on how often those things should be refreshed completely? You know, I, I haven't really seen it um, be a time limit for us, but we have we have started doing some yeah. recycling, maybe, <laughs> of donor walls. Um, even taking those brass plaques that um, at a different hospital, we took them and incorporated them into a cross and oh, put hey. them up in the, as a display inside the hospital. So even though they weren't um, in the same um, material as they were originally or at the same spot that they were originally, they were still brought over to the new place. And they still, those same people, I don't even know if they're still alive, but their, really? their names are there and their children can see it and they're, they're still being recognized. And what a great way to recognize history by reformatting it and yet still making a big important part of their mission today and going forward. And like you say, they may not, they may not be alive and they may be, they might be, but it wouldn't it be neat to know that my great, great grandmother's name, for example, is yeah. still sitting, you know, in today and they kept that piece. I also love what you were talking about because I, I think about the differences between a hospital setting versus a smaller nonprofit, Marjorie, like mm-hmm. that you have here where you don't have as many visitors mm-hmm. as a hospital would. So how do you find the right placement for that and, yeah. and going through that concept and being able to work with the architects like you did and working with the organizations as to say, what happens if you're in a place where people don't come and visit. So maybe a donor wall is not the right thing. Mm-hmm. What other types of ways can we recognize donors today? I know we've done electronically and you mentioned newsletters. Mm-hmm. What are some other creative ways nonprofits you think could maybe recognize them? Even like Hospice of Southern Illinois, when they built, when they um, were doing their building, they didn't put up a donor wall. They put on singular items throughout the building. Okay. Like this armoire was donated by 
so-and-so, this table in the conference center, and they did have little, not brass, but there was some other material type that, that, that was part of the piece of furniture. It wasn't seen by everybody, but it was seen by those people that used it. And in that regard, nice. it was important too. That's really neat. I, I think that we, creativity is key, especially when you have limitations, whether the limitations are financial or location or availability. And I, one of the articles that we were reading was all about, uh, creative donor recognition ideas. It was by classy.org. And I think I was able to send that to you as well, Joanne, just having the 15 different creative ways to thank donors. And some of them I've, I've seen before and some of them were new to me. And I think it's just really going beyond the plaque, going beyond the sometimes the, the piece on the wall. What do you do for someone who, you know, they've given to you for the last 20 years and now you want to do something special for them, maybe some of those neat things that, that you and I have seen uh, that's just really hit a home run with donors. Yeah, something that's done really well for our organization and is mentioned in this is the cultivation event where you, you bring in your special donors, the ones that have really been supportive, whether they're, you know, your major gifts donors, your people that you know are going to be leaving you in their will, or just those donors that you think can get up there. Um, and just spending some time with them and, you know, having having some food fellowship with them and having a good time. Um, I think has, has really worked well for us. Um, the other thing is that, you know, we, we talked about, we talked about thank you notes, but what happens when a donor has a problem with your organization and, and fixing that really quickly? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just had a situation where a donor wasn't recognized in a appropriate manner because his gift was made through a, a very kind of complicated process. And so we didn't, we didn't know he made the gift and we were able to fix that quickly and hopefully keep that donor around for, for years and years. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so I had, uh, some of my favorite things I've, I've done personally is the photos. So we have mm-hmm. a gala every year and I know lots of organizations had galas. And for us, we'd always make sure that our top donors, those uh, who were in, uh, highly involved volunteers that were highly involved in the process, we would make a donor, uh, a book already for ourselves, so like on Walgreens or, you know, Shutterfly or one of those, just for our, a reference, a personal memento of the office, because we wanted to have that to look back on. So why not just add extra, a few extra to your cart? Yeah. And a lot of those times you can get coupons that are out there and special deals and free shipping, depending on what's going on out there. You play your cards right. And what a great gift to be able to have the executive write a note on the inside, how much they appreciated their support, appreciated their volunteering, the special touches that made that complete. Where's that book going to go? Is it going to be put away somewhere with some dust on it? Odds are the first year, at least it's going to be on their counter, on their table, on somewhere where people are seeing it. And they're going to say, oh, what's this? And what a great way to start that conversation and for them to show excitement and enthusiasm about it. Uh, so I think it also helps to share that information. Absolutely. The other way that I've seen uh, creatively done, and it was one of my favorite pieces, and it was the simplest thing. And uh, working with uh, another local great organization, I just wanted to get a picture frame. And it was a trio picture frame, just like you get at Walmart or Target, you know, nothing fancy. But we got a plaque made on it. And I took a piece of the ribbon from the ribbon cutting that they were involved oh, in. nice. Because we have so much of it. What do you do when it's left? Nothing, mostly, yeah, you know. Threw it away, I think. Right. So I, I took a piece of that and I framed that in the middle. And on the top, I had a group picture. and the bottom, I had a picture of them with the executive. And I visited their house about 10 years later for a complete different event. And it was in their living room, very prominently displayed. They were very proud of it. Uh, and they could remember the story about, oh, I remember that day. And, oh, yeah, I'm so glad you had a piece of the ribbon there. That just meant so much. Uh, but, again, it goes back to knowing your donors, knowing how they like to be recognized and what's important to them. 
and this particular donor, they they really valued the photos and the idea of those collectibles. So I've been on the receiving end of that because we are the sponsor for the uh, St. Paul School Art Room. And so we get our name above the door, and but we get a picture of the kids holding up a sign that says thank you. Oh, and I, I get that at the, you know, after they've done all the donations or processed all the payments or whatever. And so we get a picture of the kids and I have 10 years worth of those pictures up on my counter, you know, because oh, yeah. it's really cool. <laughs> That's great. And you don't want to miss a year now. Either. That's right. <laughs> right. Because you have it going on, right? Yeah. And what a great way to recognize uh, for nonprofits who are listening to us and they're talking about perhaps a, a, a challenge community that they serve. Maybe it's an at-risk community mm-hmm. or a youth community where they can't have as much interaction perhaps with those they serve, with those who are, are sponsoring them. So there's some challenges there. What a great way to recognize that through personal artwork or a personal photo or a thank you note to be able to bridge that connection. Um, and I just think that sometimes the informal solicitor, the informal stewardship is just as important as the formal stewardship. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. Um, one thing that we have done as a business, it's you know not quite as personal as that, but it is um, personal to the school. Um, for like Quincy University, they have a sculpture of St. Francis when you walk on campus with his arms stretched out. And so they had us um, do a small size version of that. Um, Tom is a sculptor, so he did a smaller version of St. Francis. And it was surprisingly inexpensive. And they give those, they did 25 of them, and they give those to major donors or board members when they're retiring for their years of service. So it's a piece wow. of art that's rem- that's reminiscent of their school that is a direct link to their donation. Oh, that's perfect. That is that. really unique. I really like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what other creative things have you seen other organizations do or have you done uh, as a nonprofit professional that you think our listeners might be interested in when they're, I'm sure, taking great notes and, and ideas and bouncing things off of each other? The only other um, kind of unique thing that we've personally done is um, – um, Retiring people, um, they did like a glass sculpture, like with different pieces of acrylic that listed different or different accomplishments of that person mm, that they oh, had yeah. through the organ, um, it, with their involvement in the organization. And it was just a unique, it was from a school high school actually. So then there was a purple feather that hung down in the center of it and the acrylics just sort of framed this like, um, I guess it was like teepee okay. that went up. And it was, you know, personal for this guy that was leaving and had given so much of his time to the organization. So, you know, you just you have to find the right place to come up with cool ideas sometimes for you if you can't come up with them yourself. Yeah. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of us that are are busy people is is trying to think outside the box of what's Mm -hmm. going to be really meaningful to somebody and being having the chance to work with a professional who who does this, who's kind of constantly throwing ideas around, but maybe nowhere to send them sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's a nice marriage between nonprofit and corporate sometimes, you know, having that ability to work with people who really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Because, man, um, I would never, ever, ever come up with any idea (laughs) close to that. (laughs) I have an organization I've worked with before, and they were trying to think of how they could recognize on a monthly basis those individuals who are giving monthly donations. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to do something special because here it kicked off in January, ended in December. They didn't want to be like November going, yeah, 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 here's your monthly gift. You know, they didn't want it to be like that. And they wanted to thank them. So what they did was they made puzzles with 12 pieces in it. Oh, cool. And uh, whenever they would go through and they'd process those monthly gifts, they would send them a piece of the puzzle and tell them to collect it. And by the end of the year, then they had a puzzle, which was a picture of something that was important to the organization. And I, yeah, I thought it was really kind of a neat thing to do. And a lot of people who 
are in grandparent age, when grandkids come over, uh, what do I give them to, to play with? And now <laughs> they're playing with a puzzle and they can tell them the story about, yeah, grandma, you know, your grandpa and I, we do this and we support this organization or that's your school and that's why it's important to us. But every month they got a piece of the puzzle and they said they re- for something so simple, the reaction was priceless from people who would say, now I sent it in. I haven't got my puzzle piece yet. Is it coming? <laughs> and uh, they were very adamant about making sure that they got it. So it required That's a little important. organization, but how brilliant, you know, yeah. tw- a 12-piece puzzle. Who would have thought in- inspired conditional giving? So <laughs> Yeah, man, I kind of like that. I, I do that. I do too. <laughs> could do that with my logo. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Be, be prepared, everyone. It's coming soon. <laughs> So I think we're we're just about out of time. Joanne, is there anything else you want to add? Any any other maybe favorite thing you've ever seen done or one like other kind of fun idea was we had done the Route 66 Museum up in Litchfield, Illinois, and so it was very simple, not very expensive. On the wall, they just printed a vinyl graphic. Well, it was our idea, but they printed a vinyl graphic of a road with everybody's name just in the road with a, um, you know, a, a skyline in the background. So it fit nice. with the theme of the museum and it just went up on the wall there. And so every time they go in, they can see oh, that's, that's neat. recognition. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I've learned today just from having you on the show is about how you can really be creative and think about the mission of the organization. Think about the purpose, how people interact with your business. You know, we were talking about how, you know, you want to make sure it was visible for those at the hospital and then the creative piece over here, incorporating the history with the future and just so many great ideas, Joanne. I'm really glad you came to visit us today. Thank you so very much. Uh, how could our listeners reach you if they want more information about Poppy Visual Communication, collaborating with you with regards to donor recognition? Well, we're out of Highland, Illinois. It's Foppy Visual, F-O-P-P-E. And I'm Joanne Foppy. My number is 618-654-8600. And that's probably the best way, but you can also email me, Joanne, J-O-A-N-N, at foppyvisual.com. Great. And we'll make sure we get that information in the show notes too. Excellent. Yes, we definitely will. So thank you to all of us, all those of you listening for listening to us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. And Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe and leave us some feedback so other people can find us. And you can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. So thank you. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.